Greetings in the name of Jesus. Does that name mean anything to you? Or is it just another Sunday morning? We hear about Jesus again. I hope not, because Jesus is the reason for what's going on here. At least it's supposed to be that way. And the question is, is it that way? Is what's going on, on, on in my life because of the Lord Jesus? Or is it because of some other reason? I might need a little bit of water. If I get too worked up, I might have to have some water to keep my vocal cords working. So the intention for God for me here today is to bring glory and honor to him because he is worthy. It is not about what you're seeing here. I mean, I'm going to give my vocal cords to the Holy Spirit and whatever comes out is going to come out under his inspiration in the name of Jesus. And so that's, that's my bottom line. You know, in business, we talk about the bottom line, right? We're always looking at the bottom line. The bottom line for me is, God, you speak to me through the, use me to speak through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring glory and honor to him for he's worthy. So I want to talk to you today. Okay, so first of all, one of the words, a word came to me during our worship time. No more facade. I don't know if that fits anybody, but we were discussing this a little bit in our small group. The worst place or the most prominent place for veneer and facade is where? In the church. Lord, help us. We should be the most honest, the most vulnerable, the most safe, the most whatever is the opposite of facade in the church. But we come here, and maybe you don't do this, and, and by the way, this sermon is just as much for me as for you. So I'm not, I don't want to speak from a posture of having it together, because you're looking at a man, a human being that does not have it together. And you might think, well, preachers should have it together. But the truth of the matter is, preachers do not have it together. They don't. I don't care who the preacher is. And the closer you get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the closer you walk with your Savior, with your Father, the more you realize, I don't have it together. And I can't figure it out. But you have the king of kings living inside of you. You have the governor of the kingdom of heaven living inside of you. And so when COVID comes along, when your difficult circumstances comes along, you will respond differently to it because... The king is inside of you, and you're living your life from that platform. And many of us, including myself, my first stop is at logic and reason. Something comes along, we bring our brain power out, right? We're pretty smart. We think we are, and God has given us intelligence but we want to figure it out. And so we think we've got to figure it out. And then we go, the next, our next stop is resources. So we try to buy our way through, buy our way out. We try to organize, control, whatever. That doesn't work. What do we do next? When all our options are exhausted, what do we do next? God, I need your help. That should be your first stop. When something comes into our lives, our first stop is on our knees. God, before I do anything else, what are you saying about this? And so just a word on the, the whole COVID vaccine thing. Ask God what he thinks. Don't ask Facebook. Don't ask your social media, whatever, wherever you go for your answers. Ask the Lord. 
and spend time with the Lord till you know what his heart is for you. Because he's concerned about you. He's concerned about your health. He's concerned about what you put in his temple. Did you know you are the temple and the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit? You are that. Every person in this building, male or female, has a divine purpose. And that divine purpose is to host the presence and the glory of God. The God of the universe has chosen you, no matter who you are, as a host for his presence. Isn't that awesome? The God that made the universe, the God that made you, the God that... We don't even know how to describe God, do we? The end of the book of Romans, how did... Or not the end of the book, the end of the chapter that the brother read today. As I recall, Paul said, in my words, how amazing and how great God is after you watched the plan that God was laying out. This is still true for God's people today. First of all, you as a person are supposed to, or not supposed to, but you are designed to be a host for the presence of the Lord. So when you walk out of this building and you come in proximity with other human beings, there is something that happens because the presence of the Lord is in this place. And when God's presence comes into proximity with humanity, there is a result. There is an effect. So I don't know. I should maybe go back here to my notes. When you have, so church is supposed to be a gathering place for a bunch of hosts that are hosting the presence of the Lord. And when you have a bunch of hosts that come together in one place with the presence of the Lord, what happens? What happens is described in the book of of Corinthians, Paul's writings. He said, when that man walks in and he's hiding sin and he comes into the presence of the Lord, what happens? He falls on his face because he knows all his secrets are known. Does that happen here at Cleveland? Man walks in, falls on his face because, and he's, he's hiding sin, falls on his face because you are so filled with the presence of the Lord, that he realizes there's nothing hidden here. The problem is a lot of us are hiding things. Christians, Christians that are supposed to be hosting the presence of the Lord are hiding sin. May that not be the case with us. May that not be the case with you. Preachers that stand up here preaching and teaching like I'm doing right now have are just as guilty of this, hiding sin in their life, bones in the closet. The Lord wants us to walk in freedom. And when his presence comes into our lives, we open those closets and we say, this is who I am, I need help. And that should happen in the congregation of hosts. I want you to remember this tomorrow morning or the rest of today and tomorrow morning when you get up, Oh, yes, I'm hosting the presence of the Lord today. You're not just supposed to go to your job and make a ton of money. You're supposed to be hosting the presence of the Lord. And when you get to your job, when you go to the store, whatever you do, people look at you and they say, like, what is that? That's the glory of the Lord. You know, when God called his people out of Egypt... He put his glory on them. And don't think for a a moment that the nations around them didn't know about it. They heard about what happened in Egypt. They, They heard the story. I mean, that stuff made headlines in that day. The sea divided and parted, and God's people walked through on dry land. And it inspired terror in the nations around them that were serving their gods that they believed in. 
It's a picture of what God wants to do through his church today. We are not just passive uh, people that just go along with the flow. God has chosen you as a person to stand up in his kingdom and say, the king of kings lives here. I'm his property. And when you come into a situation and God shows you what he wants to do, you speak with authority and you say, no, this will not happen. The king is in charge. When, and I, I would challenge you, uh, and, I, and first of all, my wife and I both had COVID. But let me tell you, I, I renounced it in the name of Jesus. And I still, I didn't get as sick as some. I don't know if that's why. Or I, I, you know, what you see here is just who I am. So I'm not going to try to make, I hope you don't think I'm really that spiritual. I'm not really that spiritual. <laughs> you okay with that, <laughs> David? I, it might be dangerous for me to be up here. But I hope you don't mind. Because I do believe that I have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when, when God is in charge, it doesn't necessarily fit protocol. We like, we're pretty much probably all of us here, most of us here are German background. We like everything buttoned up, categorized, especially the guys. And when somebody gets a little out of control, we start going, what's going to happen next? And we get a little concerned. But when Jesus came, let me just make an argument for what I'm trying to say. When Jesus came, did he fit protocol? Far from it. Jesus is not religious. Jesus is life. He is Holy Spirit life. And when he came, that's who he was. That's how he lived his life. He didn't care about the religious. It didn't matter about all of the rules. He was more concerned about what does my Father in heaven want me to do today? That's how he lived his life. And that's why Jesus changed the world. And he's still changing the world. Today, Jesus is still changing the world. Isn't that amazing? And who gave birth to Jesus? Someone of the children in this section tell me, who, who, ha who had baby Jesus? Who gave birth? Who was pregnant with Jesus? Anyone? Have, Mary. Yes. How did that pregnancy start? What was the word, this section, that Mary responded to the angel? Be it, sorry? The Holy Ghost overshadowed her, and at one point she said, Be it unto me according to thy word. Do you think Mary understood what she just said? Mary, a young girl, became pregnant, and everybody knows pregnancies only happen one way, right? You'd have somebody walk in here today, and it was a young girl, she's pregnant. I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You'd all say, you are lying. We know that's not true. That was the stigma that Mary carried for all of her days. Think about it. But she was, be it unto me according to thy word. I don't know if she thought about that or not when she, when she uh, heard the angel speak to her. But that is what happened. And so Jesus was born. And Jesus walked around on the planet. Oh, he was born from fornication. And he claims to be the son of God. And he doesn't keep the Sabbath. And, and on and on and on. From the church. And Jesus said, you're the people that I came to save. And you don't even know who I am. And I'll tell you, today is no different. I'm sorry, but today is no different. I trust it's different here. But the same dynamics are still happening across church today. Jesus doesn't fit protocol. There's only one thing that matters, and that is that you walk with the Holy Ghost. And it's the Holy Ghost, not some other ghost. Because there are plenty of other ghosts around. But the Holy Ghost is real. He's powerful. And there are effects when he comes into your life. Your humanity is quickened by the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul wrote those words in Ephesians. There's a quickening. There's an energizing that takes place. There's a change that takes place. There's a transformation that takes place. There are people in the church 
today that need to be born again, that say they're Christians, that go as missionaries. My own son-in-law just recently got saved, and he was a missionary in Honduras, and he just got saved. And he is a different person. It's because... It's because the presence of the Lord came in. I came home from... I'll just give you a brief on it. I came home from Honduras. I walked out to the shop. Marcus and Dave, they both work. We work together. And uh, I walked up to him. I was, I was, we don't talk much. First of all, but I did that morning. I said, How, "How's it going?" And he looked at me and said, "I'm not saved." I was like, "I, I mean, what do you do when somebody says that to you, as a missionary or a Christian? I'm not saved." I didn't really know what to say at the at the moment, and 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 it was written all over his face. I'm not saved. And uh, we talked a little bit, and I said, "Well, maybe we can, maybe we can." meet together tonight. He said, well, what if I die before tonight? The work of the Holy Spirit. And God's Christians that claim to be Christians and are not really Christians. There is a, I don't want to unsettle anyone's salvation here today because that, that's a real thing. But neither do I want you to be comfortable in your religion and in your performance. God is real. God is relational. If God is not your friend, you are not experiencing what he intended for you to experience. Christianity is very simple. It's a relationship with the king of kings. It's a love relationship with Jesus. It's a father relationship with the God of heaven. It's simply being a friend to God and having him as your friend. That's all it is. When that, when that takes place in a human being, his life changes. It doesn't matter who you think you are. It only matters who you are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, God is inviting each one of us into that love relationship with him. Should have checked what time I got started. About, I'm about through, am I not? <laughs> I didn't even get started yet, according to what I'm thinking. So, Ephesians 5.27, that he might present to himself a... Glorious church. Is your church here glorious? You got a nice name. Is it glorious? God, that's what God is wanting to do here on the planet today. Just in simple words, he is building his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Is he going to get it done? Come on. Of course he is. When he says he's going to do something, he always does it. The question is, will I, James Fate, or you put your name there, be a part of that glorious church? Because he is building his church. And we have people that are walking around trying to find the church, right? Does that sound familiar? And you can't really blame me for it because I'm living in the same community since 1981. Our church went through all kinds of, I don't know if I want to use that word, but you know probably what I'm thinking. All kinds of difficulty. And, and I don't, I'm not here, you know, I absolutely believe that there's times when you need to move out and go to another church. I, I hope you understand that. But my point is, God wants to give birth to his life through
through you. Don't go looking for the church unless, you know, there's conditions that that could be the case. Be the church. You be the church from the oldest to the youngest here today. God has chosen you to carry his glory. He has chosen you to host his presence. For the men, I don't know if I said, I like to say this when I go somewhere preaching. I may have said it here before, but it's still good. So when somebody asks you, how are you doing, thinking about the Virgin Mary, tell them you are pregnant. I am pregnant. What do you think they would, what do you think? You know, it's not actually that far out today in today's culture, is it? Men claim to be pregnant. It's the epitome of stupidity. And we don't need to go into that. But you are pregnant. As a Christian, you're pregnant with the life of Jesus inside of you. The Holy Spirit doesn't have that much trouble getting life inside of, putting that, putting that seed of life inside his temples. But to get it out is another story. And so when he puts his life there, we become pregnant with the Holy Spirit. What is it? What's the gestation of a human pregnancy? Anybody from here know? Pardon me? Nine months. Is it comfortable? Who's pregnant here today? All of us, right? We have the life of God, but who's actually pregnant with another human being? If there is, it becomes difficult, doesn't it? As that pregnancy progresses, as that nine months, as that goes from one month, two, three, four, and I've never been pregnant with that pregnancy, but it becomes difficult, and there's stretching, right? Stretch marks. I'm talking pretty plain here today, but that we know, it's, it's, that's the way it is. We don't have anything to hide, right? So stretching, there's weight, there's pain, there's difficulty, and finally, the day comes when there's a birth. And we understand you just had a birth here. Someone had a baby. And this life comes forth. And there is pain and there's travail. And women that give birth, they might scream, they might cry, they might do all kinds of crazy things. But they're giving birth to the life that's inside of them. My point is, when you're pregnant with the life of God, there will be travail. There will be pain. Some of you are going through difficult things in your life. Just remember, it is God's unique process for you as a unique individual to bring forth the life of God, the living presence of the Lord Jesus. And there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut. You have to come to grips with that as a Christian. As a professing Christian, if you're serious about your walk with the Lord, you realize that God has chosen you to carry his life, to give birth to that life. There, it requires a process. We're all human beings that are unbroken. Be it unto me according to thy word. That simply means I am not in charge. How many of you are in charge? You don't have to raise your hands. How many of you are in charge of your life? Am I in charge of my life? I plan my life for specific goal points. And this is where I'm going and I do it at all cost. You need to stop that. You need to say first, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, what do you want me to do? Even if that means shedding your blood in Afghanistan for the cause of the kingdom. I would not be one bit surprised that some of us will shed our blood for kingdom purposes. Hallelujah. It, we should wear that badge with honor. And I can talk because I'm not going through it. But I believe that is, re, that is reality. Christians in countries in North Korea, Afghanistan, the Middle East, and many places across the globe today are facing death and torture because of who they are in Christ Jesus. And when you get to that place, God will provide the grace to say, Hallelujah. I shed my blood with honor because of what Jesus has done 
for me. And not only because of that, but because of what he wants to do in the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. The kingdom of heaven was born out of what? The sacrifice on the cross. Jesus shed his blood. He died there. You know, Jesus looked like a complete failure, didn't he? He was treated as a, as a, a man born from fornication. He was treated as, he came, did Jesus come in an honorable way? Did Jesus come in a glorious way? No. He was born where? In a stable, wrapped up with swaddling clothes. And immediately, the devil unleashed a flood of hatred against the Son of God as a baby and said, we have to kill this life. We have to kill this life that was just born. Does that ring a bell? When you give birth to the life of God in your life as a human being, immediately there's a flood of resistance unleashed. And the devil wants to kill the life of God in each one of you if it's there. If you're going to church and doing your religion without life, he doesn't really care about you. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you are a living witness carrying the glory and the presence of the Lord, he has to get rid of you. He cannot afford having a bunch of Christians around this county that are filled with the Holy Spirit because they will change their community. And by the way, the kingdom of heaven comes from the bottom up, not the top down. It doesn't really matter whether Donald J. Trump becomes the president of the United States or not. He might be able to put enough of law on people that will keep them a little bit, but he will not change a nation. And there's many Christians that have bought into this idea that, hey, we need a Christian president. We need a Christian administration. Let me just tell you, it doesn't work. But what does work is Holy Ghost-filled human beings walking around your local community and exuding the presence of the Lord. That changes people from the inside out. Donald Trump, and I don't, I'm just using him. Forgive me, Donald Trump, if I'm mischaracterizing you, but that's not my intention. But I'm using him. He cannot change people from the inside out. He can only change you from the outside, not even in. He can only change you from the outside. And so it's very temporary. And he only has a short window of time. And so unless there's another one that comes along, and you know how our culture is going. Our culture does not give me much hope. The only hope I have today is that God will unleash a wave of revival across this nation that smells something like the Finney revivals or something like the revivals we read about back in those days when whole communities were changed because the presence of the Lord was so real there. Do you think God wants to do it today? Of course he does. And it's my, my place to line up with what he wants to do and to pray according to his will and to allow him to use me in whatever way he chooses. Hosting the presence of the Lord. You know, we are, we are, all of us are wired to be a part of something big. Would you agree with me? We like to be a part of something big. We want big churches. We want big things. We want, you know, we want all of that big stuff. Let me tell you, God is building something big. You're supposed to say amen. Okay, thank you. <laughs> He's building something big. But it doesn't, it's not big like we like to think of big, right? God was building something big when Jesus came into the world. And it was very obscure, over in a corner, and hardly anybody knew about it. But he changed the world. God is still building something big. Not big in the way that we many times think. But I personally want to be a part of that big thing that God is doing. And by the way, it upsets me with what I see going on in the world today. It upsets me that there's so much corruption. It upsets me that there's so much lying going on today. 
It really does. It upsets me. Because God wants truth and righteousness to prevail in the land. He really does. I am actually willing to wait till he decides to show who's boss. Because he will show who's boss. And I can't wait, but I will wait. But there's a day coming when everybody will know, okay, now I see what was going on. Christians are being killed and, and you know, pushed down and destroyed in this day and age. But the day is coming when God says, enough. I've had enough. And you're going to find out who's boss. Now, that sounds a little bit like retaliation probably. But there's something inside of me that just upsets me. And I think that Christians should not be passive. We should not be carnal. But we should not be passive concerning what's going on in the world. We should be concerned. And it's so concerned that we will walk in the authority that God has placed inside of us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That means that you will go out maybe to your town square. My wife and I do this whenever we're at home, just the two of us. We'll go out to our town square, and we will pray specifically against drug addiction, against overdose. And we'll pray in the name of Jesus that, go, that the fear of God will become real in this place. We meet the enemy in his territory. David was a warrior, and he was prepped with keeping sheep. It didn't look very glorious, did it? But when he came out face to face with Goliath, David knew who he was. And he knew who God was. And he had established a connection with his God. And he said, you are not going to blaspheme my God. And he put himself, he put his life on the line. He looked foolish, right? They tried to put Saul's armor on him. Say, hey, you can do this. They, I'm not used to these. Give me something that's familiar. Give me something that I'm used to. Which simply speaks into his connection with God. He had confidence in God. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. And I can take care of this unclean Philistine. And we know the rest of the story. It's an inspiring story. And David did not run away from the battle. He was drawn towards conflict. Can I use that term? Oh, here's an opportunity for me to take out a giant. Is that how you live your life? Hey, great, I have an opportunity to take out a giant. And you walk into the face of the enemy. And you say, the governor of his kingdom is living inside of me. You're going to listen on him. Enough of that foolishness. Be quiet. Cast out the devil. That's who we are as Christians. We have authority. We're not loose cannons, but we're cannons, right? We're cannons under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Some people are loose cannons. God forbid. I don't want any of you to become that. That's, there's no blessing on that. But you are a cannon under the control and the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's who you are in Christ. I didn't see any smoke machines here yet. I don't know if you're going to bring them in or not. I, don't, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm not having a big issue with a, with a smoke machine. But when the glory of the Lord showed up in the temple that Solomon built on behalf of his father David, what happened? The place was filled. And I, let's see, do I have that verse? It doesn't say smoke there. It says the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not stand up. When humanity meets divinity, we fall down. And water runs out of our eyes. And we become these people that just can't stand in the presence of the Lord. I believe that's still true as, even as believers. Even though we know who we are in Christ, when we meet the awesome God, when he shows up in power... And authority, we fall on our face. John, in, on the Isle of Patmos, when, he, when, the, when Jesus showed up, what happened to him? He fell down as he, I think it says, as, as if he were dead. 
Daniel, Ezekiel, all of these men that met the literal presence of the Lord on their face before the God of heaven. I want you not to try to manufacture the presence of the Lord. I want you to position yourself so that God is drawn here. Does that make sense? We can do a lot of things. And we can make it look like we're having church. We can make it look like it's the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit actually comes, it's usually very different than what we make it look like. That's the only reason I brought up the, the, the machines. It's very interesting to me to see that. I don't, you know, I like lights. I like the effects and all of that. It's great. But I've never been in a place like the temple. I've never been in a place when uh, P- Peter and John and James went up on top of the mountain. What happened? The glory of God came down. It was like a cloud. They were enveloped in this fog of his presence. And they were on their face. And God wants to do that. He really does want to do that. First of all, in your own, in your, your life as a person, don't think that I need to go to church to experience the presence of the Lord. We, are, we actually think that way quite a bit, I think, at least from my point of view. Oh, we're going to worship today. And there's certainly a place for that. I'm not at all knocking corporate worship. But church is supposed to be, these seats are supposed to be, have, I was going to say filled, don't have to be filled. They're supposed to have people in them that have met with the Lord before this. Right? You're, you're supposed to meet with the Lord before you get to church. And you carry his sweet presence in here. And when that sweet presence meets the other sweet presences, that presence just grows becomes overwhelming. One of the prayers that I pray, and you would probably think our church is dry, and I'm sorry, but you know, we are actually pretty dry. We're German background. I don't know what's wrong with us. You know, I preach up, I stand up there and try to get these people loosened up, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? You can't even hardly say amen. I don't quite say it that way. I'm, you know, but, but really what, we need to focus on what God wants to do and say, yes, Lord. And we line up with what he wants to do. And we pray into what he wants to do. A lot of Christians today, yes, I believe in prayer. Prayer changes things. And so we start praying. And we pray according to my will. Jesus said, pray according to his will. And so you have, don't you have to know what his will is? Just a word on prayer. If you're praying... And it's always according to thy will. It could mean one thing. And that's you just don't know what the will of God is, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And there are times like that. But our prayers are supposed to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to walk with God in such a way that you know what he wants to do here on the earth. This will bring new life into your prayer life. You first, your first prayer is, God, what do you want to do here? Our first response is, we pray what we think he wants to do. But the, but the question is, what does God want to do? And I think that's what Jesus would do in his prayer time. He was always on target, right? As he walked the streets of his towns, those, those ancient streets, he was always on target. When he went across the ocean, who did he meet on the, uh, the ocean, the, the Sea of Galilee? Who was waiting for him over there? The man that was possessed by devils. And that was a divine appointment. And Jesus, I don't believe there was a surprise at all to Jesus. Because he had spent time with his father. He knew what was going to happen. And the storm was probably inspired by the devil. And I believe just a freebie that Satan can use weather events to try to interrupt the work of the Lord. And if you sense that to be the case, it is not wrong. In fact, you should, in the name of Jesus, no. You don't have to go through a whole lot of crazy screaming and all of that. You just have, you have authority because the king lives inside of you. You have authority solely based on that. A lot of people are trying to use that authority in the name of their own carnality. And I have done it. I just, you know... I think of my Christianity and how I've lived my life 
even now, even one of the things I'm struggling with right now is, and, and uh, here a few weeks ago, I went with Luke Kipfer and uh, had an experience <laughs> climbing Mount, what was, it, what was the name of the Mount? Uh, Mount uh, Quandry. And that was, that was an experience, I'll just tell you that. But it was great. I'd probably do it again. Probably would not have right afterwards, but I probably would now. Anyways, random conversation, driving in the van with a bunch of other, with a few of other, other men and talking about stealing the glory. And I'll tell you, this, maybe it's just unique to me, but this became a very real, became very real to me, just to tell you what, what I'm dealing with. So preacher standing up here preaching, afterwards you come to me, oh, that was a great sermon. Inside, yes, it really was. Stealing the glory. How many times have I, in the name of Jesus, taken the glory of God and took it to myself. It's the worst kind of idolatry. And I'm talking from a preacher's standpoint. This is true for Christians in many different ways. From pre for preachers, preachers, and I, I find this very interesting. They get together. Uh, how's the church at Bedford? You don't usually hear them say, it's worse than it's ever been. We try to come up with, with uh, you know, nice words that at least, you know, makes us kind of look good. It's convicting to me. And we have this idea. We have, we have adopted a lot of ideas that are not God's ideas. And in order for our life to be a glorious manifestation and to host the presence of the Lord, we need to give up our ideas about everything. Everything. Young people, question everything. But do not do it from a rebellious heart. It's totally fine. Maybe I, you... Shut me down if you don't think it is. But it, in my opinion, in my mind, it's totally fine for you to question everything. Because you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. You need to understand why these people do what they do. These Christians do what they do. God wants you to understand it. He doesn't want you just to do something because it's culture or whatever. And I don't care which side of the culture you're on. <laughs> maybe, we shouldn't, maybe that gets a little shaky. But there's culture out there, there's culture here, there's all kinds of culture. And many of us, well, we're sick and tired of my culture, and it's only culture in my church, so I'm going to go to that church where I can do what I want. Well, the funny thing is we fall into that culture. That's just the way, way we are. The most important thing is, what does the Lord want me to do? And young people, as uh, this is what I feel inside of me, that... You know, we, our, us older men have conversations. What's going to happen with this generation? And I always say, the only hope that this generation has, the only hope for our young people and our children, is a vibrant connection with the Holy Spirit. It is the only hope. You have a short time as parents. Young parents here, you have a short time to establish that in your children. It is vitally important. But it's the only thing that matters. Uh, it's the only thing that matters because when they love the Lord, when they're connected to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide them into ah, most of the truth. All truth. Their hearts are honest. They've watched you as a dad and a mom live your life with an honest, open heart and a vibrant passion for Jesus and his church and what God is doing here on the planet. And it will make it so much easier for them to just... Walk into that. They have to choose it, but they, it will make it much easier. If you're living a hypocritical life and you're living for the almighty dollar and in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christianity, don't be surprised if they say, I don't want that. Our young people, challenged to us older men, need to see gray-haired men that are passionate about the kingdom. And we're willing to do whatever God calls them to at the expense of everything and anything. That's my message, I think. I think I'm probably over time already. See if I want to say anything else yet. I didn't get much said, at least not from according to my notes. But it doesn't matter. 
we have ideas of what, what this should look like. We say, yes, be it unto me according to thy word. But we have ideas of what this should look like. Immediately we go to work and we try to pull the reins for the horse to go that direction. Because we think it should look like this. No, that's not how it works. There is a high probability that our ideas are very different from God's ideas. Would you agree with that? High probability that your ideas, my ideas are different of what God's ideas, of what His glory looks like. We're talking, I think, about hosting His presence. At least that was my intent. And hosting the presence of the Lord can look very different than what we think. Our faces are reflectors. Talking about the glory of the Lord, I like looking into people's faces and see what I can see there because it's written all over your face. And you would be surprised. Now, I don't spend a lot of time when I, pre I think some preachers do it more than others. I look at your faces, and if there's something outstanding that is there, I'll see it. Both good and bad, because there's, sometimes there's bad faces in church. And you would know what I mean if you would do, you know, what preachers do. But your faces, it's written all over your face. We've heard that many times, haven't we? And this is true. And, and so I, you know, what do you see on my face? I'm up here all this time and you're all looking at me. It should be the glory of the Lord. That's what God wants to use. He wants to, your, he wants to use your face as a reflector of his glory. So that when somebody sees you, they don't hear what you say. They see you and they say, oh, I see the glory of the Lord. They might not know what it is. But you've probably met people like that, right? You look at somebody Oh, yeah, I think he's, he or she's a Christian because there's glory there. That's awesome. It's exciting. Our voices, and I told uh, Steve and uh, Jeff this before I came up here. Maybe I said it when I came up here. I'm not sure. My vocal cords are supposed to vibrate with the power of the Holy Ghost as a man that's called to preach. So you... Release your vocal cords to the Holy Spirit if you're called to speak. Actions and manifestations of God himself are manifested in our lives through the presence of the Holy Spirit. What you're doing, I have to say this yet, it comes to my mind. So today, and this is good for the youth, it's good for all of us. Young people are saying, it doesn't really matter what I listen to. It doesn't really matter what I watch. It doesn't really matter what I do. You know, I can separate myself from that. That is foolishness, and you're not going to like me for this maybe, but I really don't care. I am warning you, that is not true. Paul said, don't you know what? We do that sometimes. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? And I'm, that's what I'm saying. Look around, you, let, you see Christians do things like, what is up with that? God's presence will not dwell with sin and darkness. Let's establish that solid in our minds. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this was one of the greatest sins of the Old Testament church. They said it wasn't so much that, oh, we don't care about God. We don't even believe there. We don't care about God, yes, but we don't even believe there is a God. The Israelites had a rich history of God's presence and manifestations and work in their lives. It was irrefutable. I mean, the stories in their history were irrefutable. So it wasn't so much that. It's like, yeah, we want to serve God, but let's bring in Ashtaroth. Let's bring in Molech. Let's bring this together, and we can worship these other gods with the true God. That is the most offensive sin against God. God will not share his glory with another. That is one thing about God. It's either all or none. Is that clear? I don't know if you believe it or not, but this, I, I strongly believe that. And today is no different. We bring, and I'm not going to, I could be specific, but I'm not going to. You figure it out. 
And if your heart is turned towards God, you're going to care about it. We bring the world's idols into that church, and we think we can fall down and worship at the same idols after church, and then we come here for church, and we worship the God of heaven. We go out of those doors, and then we fall down, and we worship the other gods. God forbid. I hope that's not the case here, but it's not unusual. It happens. And God is saying, I don't want any parts of it. And it finally got to the point where God said, I have had enough. I'm going to sell you into Babylon and Syria, and you're going to be scattered across the nations. I have to add this, but he always ends that spiel with a but. I'm going to preserve a remnant, and I'm going to bring you back. I, I love that about God. God will not compromise his holiness, but in all of the judgment and things, he's always like, ah, I want to be merciful. I'm going to preserve a remnant. And hopefully you want to be a part of that as well. Any questions? Then I'm going to quit. You have any questions or maybe you don't agree with me? Just say, preacher, I don't agree with you. And here's why. I invite that. I don't care. It's not about me. I'll make you argue with God. That's what I try to do. <laughs> so it's not about James Spade. I'm only here speaking what I believe and know to be the heart of the Father. And every preacher that preaches here should preach that way. So, yeah. Anything? And I'll, I'll pray and then I'll turn it over to brother. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare your glory over this place. Teach us how to pray with authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. Strip away the veneer and the facade in the name of Jesus. Help us to remember that we are hosts of your holy presence and that you want to bring glory and honor to your kingdom and to your name through your kingdom and help us to, to be a faithful part of that work that you're doing here on the planet in 2021. You have not forgotten your people and you will raise them in glory and honor, not because of who we are, but because of who you are and your promises that you have spoken from eternity and into eternity. And so I pray the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost in this place, in this community, that your glory will go forth because of who you are. Not because of even what you're doing, but because of who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen.